Hello there, everyone. My name is Aaron Burr. Welcome to the We All Can Change podcast. Here I help others heal the earth to live a more fulfilled and healthier life. I like to keep things pretty lighthearted, so that's why I do all this in a non-extreme and not-too-serious way. Seriously. Hello there, everybody. Welcome to episode 18. I'm talking about environmental discrimination. Yeah, in this episode, I'll be discussing what that is and how people are discriminated environmentally, who climate change affects the most, and how we can change that or make a difference. How can we help, right? I don't want to do a whole episode on just negative stuff without any action-based stuff, right? While this episode is a lot of uh, information, I guess, I'll also be focusing on action, of course. I think I, I think I put in a lot of information because I I feel a little, well, actually a lot. I feel a lot of insecurity around talking about this. I've actually kind of avoided talking about this because I haven't really been involved in uh, environmental justice or or social justice in general, really at all. Really at, at all. I mean, I mean, other than like the bare bare minimum of being good to people, uh, I haven't been involved in you know the movement as much as I should be for sure. So my body's definitely been, or my mind has definitely been avoiding talking about this because I feel a little bit bad talking about it. But that should change. Hopefully, I will act on the things that I say to do, right? <laughs> yeah. So, many may not make this connection, but the environmental movement and social justice movement are actually intertwined. And there's also this other thing called environmental justice as its own sort of thing. Just like it sounds, it's social justice combined with environmental sustainability. So when the world is being hurt through various practices, obviously the environment takes a toll, right? It's also disproportionately hurting groups like people of color, those in low-income communities, women, and our indigenous populations, wherever that may be in the world, the uh, original people of whatever land you're on. Those individuals are being hurt the most. Both the environment and people are being dominated by another group of people, right? So that that shares a connection there. And all those things are intertwined, whether it be economics, environment, and social justice, all of these things are connected and, and they all affect one another. In the U.S., it's actually way more likely for people of color or, or especially black Americans to be living near toxic or uh, polluting facilities. 50% of the indigenous population, the original people of this land and all the tribes that were here before us live near these facilities. 50% at least, typically. I think that's actually a little bit more because this is a bit old. People of color are 38% more exposed to nitrogen dioxide. 56% live near toxic waste sites. 
and are actually two times more likely to be without potable water or modern sanitation. These same areas, they also have less access to green space, fresh and affordable food, and modern healthcare. And pe people of color or these, these groups that are being discriminated against, whether it just be low income or by race or by gender, they didn't choose to be around these polluted facilities. They're not looking at housing and they're saying, hey, this looks great. Let's move here to this spot. This stems from segregated cities and little to no access to affordable housing loans back then. So a system that has been set up through racism uh, is ultimately to blame, but that could have changed <laughs> 30 years ago as well, right? But it hasn't. So these cities are still set up in this way, and some cities are making an effort to change. Most of them are not. So they're still, so people are still isolated to these parts of town that, that have been built and been planned based on, oh, well, we have one spot to put this factory, one spot to put this, this mine, or one spot to put this, yeah, whatever facility. And we're going to put it uh, in the lowest income area. One, because of just racism, right? Two, because these communities don't have the access to the resources or the funds and, I guess, manpower to defend against businesses and corporations or these factories from coming in, right? They don't have the funds to protest or to lobby or what have you. So it's just, it's just way easier for co companies and whatnot to, to move into those areas because they'll, they'll have way less pushback, right? And this isn't just this isn't just about poverty. This isn't just about the the, the access to resources. It's what we hear a lot of when we're talking about uh, communities and and how how everything's just so bad in these areas. Typically, the, the excuse or the reason is, well, they're just poor, right? Which isn't the case, and it's it's definitely been proven. I mean, even in environmental justice cases. Uh, which is what I'll be kind of emphasizing on. Race outweighs poverty. The report basically concluded that black Americans shoulder more of the weight than, than just based on poverty status or just based on income. So, so basically what it's saying is that if a black person made more money than a white person that same black person would have more of an environmental burden because of their race, because of the location that they're in, because of the access to resources to combat climate change, to lobby, to, to fight factories coming into those populations. Specifically, it said disparities in exposure to emissions for blacks are more pronounced than our disparities on the basis of poverty status. And this is a this is a this is an article published by the EPA of <laughs> And so typically when whenever I see the government admitting something like that, I mean, you know it's big cuz like they're t 
typically never going to admit any sort of racism or wrongdoing because that's just the U.S. government for you. So when they do, there's there's something there for sure, and especially the EPA now. Um, I like to I like to quote the EPA now because of who it's being run by, uh, and so. <laughs> So using using the facts that are being or the quote unquote facts that are being run right now, uh, imagine what they would say what being run by someone that believes in climate change, right? So it's kind of fun to use it right now. Yeah. So basically, if if that if that article said that, you know, there's something there. I mean, around around 300 complaints have been filed in the past like 20 some years, and really only one has been, I mean, I don't even think this was really accepted. It's really been come back. It's came back and the EPA has formally announced that, yeah, there is definitely uh, discrimination and racism involved in a case. And this was the uh, Genesee County case of Michigan, uh, right around Flint, not the Flint water crisis, something separate, I'm pretty certain. And yeah, so the EPA later found that on the on the basis of Title VI of the Civil Rights Act, black people were discriminated against, certainly. Title VI of the Civil Rights Act prohibits anyone receiving federal funds, including state environmental agencies, from discriminating based on race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. So the, the conclusion was that the Michigan, I think it was Michigan DNR at the time, but now it's Michigan DEQ, Department of Environmental Quality certainly discriminated against black people of that county. Um, they came with a complaint after a, a uh, factory was getting put in, and of course the complaint was rejected. I mean, over over ninety percent of complaints in the Civil Rights Division of the EPA are rejected. It's, I mean kind of insane. It's like they're they're one job and they're not doing it. But that's the story of the US government, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, Flint Flint, Michigan is another textbook example. This is separate from from the Genesee County one of environmental racism. If I mean you have you have tons of complaints coming in uh, ahead of time before this whole crisis began. They're all rejected because that's what the EPA does is it rejects complaints, does not look at complaints. <laughs> I'm sure they look at them, but yeah, 90% rejected. That's fucking crazy. So you have all these complaints coming in. They're all from people of color. Of course, they're being rejected. And then the Flint water crisis happens. And I mean, the governor and the state of Michigan, they're all like, Nope, yeah, yeah, water's fine. Keep drinking it. Keep drinking it's fine. You know, there's tons of changing tests and and increasing water quality for the test and and just just disgusting stuff going on. And it makes honestly makes me sick and embarrassed to live in Michigan. And I you know, if you're listening to this, any of this stuff and you disagree, hey, find me some research that shows otherwise and we'll talk. But but ultimately what happened was State of Michigan was trying to make a couple extra bucks or save a couple extra bucks, I mean, and at the expense of, of people and at the expense of specifically people of color. So, I mean, it's just, 
there's no way around it. That's that's what's happening. It's happening all over. And like I want to express my I want to express my feelings, but but I know that, that that won't really help too much. I think I need to express it in actions, right? So that's what I'm gonna try and do from now on. So who is affected by climate change the most worldwide? That's gonna be people in poverty. And 80% of those displaced by climate change are women. That's because women make up most of the poverty in the world. They, and they also rely the most on natural resources for survival. So women, indigenous populations, people of color, anyone in low-income communities, they are all affected the most. Women and people of color, they face more barriers to combat the adverse effects of climate change, right? They... They don't have the resources available or the ability to get up and move or what have you. The good example, again, is Hurricane Katrina. Black homeowners received $8,000 less in government aid than white homeowners due to disparities in housing values. In 2013, about 80% of the mostly black residents of the city's lower ninth ward had not returned to their community due to an inadequate building efforts. <sighs> yeah, so so the, the burdens of climate change are certainly not equal, right? It's not, it's not just dispersed equally across all populations. This is why when I'm asked the question, is it really on us and us being white Americans to change our lives and sacrifice and and give things up in order to save other people when communities like um, any well any any countries that are still developing they aren't giving things up they're they're hurting the planet etc cetera, etc cetera. but in reality every single country has done that if not worse to build where they are today and since since the the brunt or the force or the effects of climate change are not equal and that they are on certain groups of people i think it is up to the more privileged to make the changes so that so that communities that are struggling just to survive just to combat racism or injustice can just survive, right? Can just make it. And so it is, it is up. I think there should be more weight on the more privileged communities because it doesn't, that doesn't, that wouldn't make it unequal. It wouldn't make our lives harder in comparison, in, in ratio to other groups of people. Not by a long shot, even. I mean, it would still be unequal, right? It would still be there would still be inequality, right? Even even when we are taking environmental burden off of groups of people, which we're not, um, but even if we did, even if it was just like all white populations that are over $80,000 a year, even if we all did that, even if we all like really sacrificed, really all went plant-based, didn't fly, didn't drive, et cetera, et cetera, it still wouldn't be equal, right? But it certainly wouldn't be discriminatory towards us, right? Because 
we have all we have the privilege and so i mean dropping down a few levels of of this privilege and this racism and and sexism and 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 uh anything like that it's just dropping us down closer to equal but probably still not equal am i making sense at all so <laughs> if people are worried about oh well that's not fair to us as and us being white people i mean white well off people that's not fair to us it is it is i mean it's 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 more than fair actually right to to put more of the environmental burden onto us because ultimately the richer people are the more environmental impact they have the more resources you have access to the more environmental impact you have and so by putting more of the burden on us me on me it starts starts to level the playing field <laughs> not even close though for sure so if you're worried about your privilege being degraded um geez i, I don't know what to say <laughs> I, maybe this podcast isn't for you <laughs> i mean honestly like how like how how much could it harm you to to change environmentally more than other populations like how would it harm your life honestly like ask yourself if you're if you're like wow Aaron Aaron is really losing my losing my support on this episode I don't believe in this how would it harm you like why do you care right why would you care if if you have to do more work or if you have to pay more taxes in order for everyone else to to just survive right even if there's like moochers or even if there's people that are just taking advantage of the system that percentage is so low that are you really are you really going to let that low tiny percentage of people ruin it for all the people you'll be helping like so at that point do you really care is it really about the money or is it really about this institution that you've grown up in that we've all grown up in to benefit off of other communities, other populations, other groups of people, whether it be class, race, sex, or gender, right? So you white men out there, take some take some of the heat, right? Let's let's pick up and take some of the weight off uh, environmentally or just economically, socially. Take some of the weight off so that people can actually live right we're so comfortable that we have so much room to share and so much to give at this point that that really we're not being harmed and anyone that thinks we're being harmed you've been fed some sort of lie or you've been fed just grown up in this in this life right so i don't i don't blame you but but at some point you well i i know a lot of people that a lot of older people that that have that say, yeah, well, I grew up, I grew up in this time, and you know, just, it was a different time, and so they're recognizing that what they're doing is maybe wrong, or their thought process is wrong. But it's like, okay, that's good, that's a great first step, but but it's time to change now, right? It's time, it's time to take some of the burden off, and really, it's really not even that much of a burden. 
right? If we pay some more taxes, maybe. If we, I keep bringing up taxes, that's a bad example, because honestly, for my solutions, I'm not very government focused. Um, but I guess the idea of taxes is kind of a good example. But but you know what I mean? I mean, really just any burden, like your personal changes, etc. So how do we how do we combat these environmental discriminations going on, right? Well, the EPA and governments, state government, federal government, they've obviously turned their back on people of color, on low-income groups, on women. And it's, it's, so it's tough for me to put faith in the government, honestly. So a lot, of, a lot of my focus is on involving black communities, women, indigenous groups, and people of color in general in environmental movements. I mean, you, you go to like a Greenpeace rally, <laughs> depending on depending on the city, I guess. But you go to like a Greenpeace rally or a protest, and you look around like it's all like middle-aged white people, right? So it's very unrepresented. Unrepresented. Involve yeah, involve more minority groups and though involve more people that are more affected by these things, right? Also, widespread lower housing costs not just low-income housing, access to loans. This kind of this, this kind of helps with the segregation of, of cities and everything. And empower communities through technical training, whatever you may have, whether it be planting gardens or environmental quality testing, legal writing, permits, etc. Like Like empower people, right? Focus on resilient environmental practices, um, whether that be solar energy, capturing rainwater, food gardens, green spaces, etc. If we're going to be stoked about planting food gardens or harvesting rainwater, renewable energy, we should be putting them in places that need the need it the most because the government's not helping out. So I I'm tend I'm t- I tend to focus more on empowering communities to be more resilient, more self-sufficient, I mean. So instead of waiting 10 years for a government to finally put in a, I don't know, fund a grocery store or something, maybe just, we'll just grow our own food and we can start that today, right? Create more green spaces, yeah, capture rainwater. All these things can be implemented pretty quickly, right? Um, Solar energy, green spaces, those things are a little bit more complicated. Um, But but I want to definitely focus on if we're going to be building these things, we should be building them in communities that are, that need it the most, right? That, that are discriminated against, whether it be through the government or through income and whatnot. So I think, I think connecting communities to share resources and networking, that would also be great. I, I wanted to start a non, the the nonprofit I wanted to start was kind of focused on that. It's kind of focused on gathering people together through all backgrounds on different issues and then just sharing resources, networking, whether it be through economics, social justice, environmental justice, sustainability, connecting communities, connecting people, connecting countries and connecting the world. At first it was I was going to call it Nexus and then I realized I was going to get sued up the ass for using that name. So I <laughs> decided to change it to Gather. So and you know, maybe give me a couple of years, you'll start hearing things about gather, and we'll start to change the world for sure. <laughs> I 
already changing it now, right? So yeah, connect communities. Um, and then for the organizations you support, consider who benefits from those organizations. Like how much, how much percentages, how big of percentages are going towards social, social justice issues or um, impoverished communities or low-income communities, people of color, women, etc. Um, yeah, consider where that money's going, how they're how they're combating those things. Because ultimately, lifting people out of poverty is one of the best ways to combat climate change for sure. Um, follow and elect leaders that really represent your community. Right? You got to dig in. You got to fig- we got to figure out. This is a government one, so I guess that's a little bit of government stuff. Everything else has kind of been, eh, I guess, on our own. Um, but yeah, if, you know, if you want to take the government route, of course, it's important. Follow and elect leaders Yeah, that, that have a good agenda, that aren't motivated by oil money or gas money or, or whatever, coal mining, anything like that. Find people that will represent you and your community well. And they're looking at the future. They're looking at right now what needs to be solved. And ultimately, I think I think importantly, most importantly for those that are more privileged like myself, I think it's give people a voice, right? I mean, honestly, I, I kind of feel weird just talking about this issue by myself. And I, I actually thought about it for a long time about not doing a solo episode on this. But I think I'll, I'll just start it off with this. It's going to be a quicker episode anyways. And it'll open up the floor to, to more talks for sure. There's so many, there's like hours of stuff I can talk about in here. But, but I think it's, it's not for me to say. I think I should bring in um, someone that's had firsthand experience or someone that's been affected by all this, right? It makes more sense. So, so give people a voice or room to have their own voice, right? room to have or to use the voice that they already have so yeah i think those affected the most should be the heard the most and so i'm definitely going to be looking into finding more guests that are really experienced with this or have firsthand accounts to what's going on yeah a lot of organizations are doing things like this or doing these things and so i'll attach some links below in the show notes so that you can support those or you can get involved with them, what have you. There's a lot of good ones, a lot of local ones, which is cool. I like I like smaller grassroots organizations. Bigger ones tend to dip into like weird funding stuff and money allocation isn't really great. But some of them are good. So I'm not opposed to big, big organizations. But yeah, for this, for environmental justice, it seems like the best... Uh, way of doing things is pretty grassroots, small scale, community based. So um, ultimately, I think, you know, for more for people that are more widespread, uh, maybe just look into your local organizations um, might be the best bet. But I'll, I'll link some below and I'll, I'll separate it. If you're ever looking for my show notes, they're not going to be on any of the any of the podcast apps that you listen on. It's all going to be on my website. So I put the links to my website and my Patreon on the on the podcast apps. But other than that, you have to click on those links or use those links to go to the website. Then the full show notes will be in there with all the details, all the goodies. Well, hey, I hope this episode helped you out. 
it was kind of it's kind of tough for me to talk about because I, like I said, I feel kind of guilty about not not being as involved with any of this as I should be. Um, but I hope that'll be changing here pretty soon. And I'm also excited to bring in some people, like I said, that that have more experience with this and and are yeah that I can open up the floor to 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 allow them to speak because it's. I don't know how much of a place I have to speak on it since I'm a white male. <laughs> That's not low income. Well, I'm low income, but I certainly haven't grown up low income. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it around. You can also donate to fund my work on Patreon. You pick a tier as low as $2. Yeah, for the price of a tea, you can keep me advertisement free. Yeah, you get things from me in return. Like exclusive content. Once I have 50 patrons, I'll be doing a Patreon exclusive episode, um, podcast episode, blog posts that are exclusive updates on behind the scenes and, and updates to the website, all those, all those things. Once I'm doing events, I'll be updating you on that. You'll have access to being on my podcast and on my, in my blog posts, etc. So stuff like that, more involved, more personable, more intimate kind of experience. Yeah, this allows me to continue learning better ways to serve you. And of course, like I said, keeps me advertisement free. So thank you so much for your support. Um, If you're looking to stay updated on what's new, uh, whether it be episodes, blog posts, website stuff, you can sign up for a weekly update. It's like a Sunday paper or like EcoChurch. No clutter, not ever, just one email per week. You can head on over to weallcanchange.com and enter your email at the top of any page. Hey, thanks so much, y'all. I hope you enjoyed this episode and take care.